If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Many people that are looking at life under this indictment. The Fulton County DA's blockbuster RICO charges against Young Thug and YSL. Why isn't this story being told? We've got an update on all the drama and courtroom shenanigans. I use data to make automated decisions about who gets hired, who gets fired. Are our computers trained to be racist? That has led to bias in AI, discriminatory AI. RBN investigates the AI discrimination dilemma. This study establishes uterine cancer with chemical straighteners. New evidence linking hair relaxers to uterine cancer. Studies have shown that when hair straightening products are marketed towards black women are used with heat, the risk of certain cancers increases. I find this unacceptable. How black women are dying to have straight hair. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And Hollywood hot boy Da Vinci is here with me in studio. All I saw was poverty, misery, and corruption, because that was the only thing I was able to rely on. And he's offering up some real talk about his personal mental health struggles. You kind of walk around with this edge on your shoulder, and you don't even know why. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Welcome to the show. I'm Mara Escampo. We begin tonight with a case that's got all eyes on the hip-hop community. In 2022, Atlanta's Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis brought surprising and sweeping RICO indictments against Young Thug and YSL, short for Young Stoner Life Records, connecting the label to alleged violent street gang activity. Well, jury selection began back in January, and to date, not a single juror has been seated. In fact, this jury selection has lasted longer than any in Georgia's history. Since the indictments, there have been so many twists and turns in this case that it is hard to keep up. There's obviously many people that are looking at life under this indictment. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis back in May 2022 as she announced sweeping RICO charges against Grammy Award-winning artist Young Thug, whose real name is Jeffrey Williams, and 27 others in an indictment that alleged extensive criminal activity. The list included YSL rapper Gunna, a.k.a. Sergio Kitchens. The catalog of Young Stoner Life records being used by Willis as evidence to link the label to gang involvement. These are serious times. They're serious allegations. Willis said at the press conference, this alleged gang contributed to 75 to 80 percent conservatively of all the violent crimes in Atlanta. And, you know, to, for her to say that at a press conference, she's going to have to uh, meet that burden of proof. The controversial YSL takedown comes in an 88-page indictment pinpointing 28 co-defendants in the sweep. The prosecution's evidence alleges YSL associates are guilty of a list of offenses ranging from aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, connection to murder, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and the list goes on. It does not matter what your notoriety is, what your fame is. If you come to Fulton County, Georgia, and you commit crime, you are going to become a target and a focus of this district attorney's office. 
Young Thug's attorney, Brian Steele, strongly disagrees. Mr. Williams committed no crime whatsoever, and we will fight to my last drop of blood to clear him. The RICO charges leave many wondering, what do these allegations really mean? You know, the RICO Act, the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act, back in 1970, was implemented to take down crime families. And those crime families were given direct orders by their bosses to go commit crimes that would further the whole enterprise of that crime organization. The indictment details rap lyrics and social media posts that prosecutors hope will help prove the defendant's guilt. Is this constitutional? As New York State senators introduce a bill to ban the use of lyrics against rappers in courtrooms, many lawyers believe it is not. With the First Amendment, we all have the right of freedom of speech. So when we have recording artists, that's how they make money. They make money off of their persona. They make money off of their words, their lyrics, and it's entertainment. The First Amendment does not protect people from prosecutors using it as evidence, if it is such. DA Fannie Willis disagrees. She believes the evidence points to Young Thug being the mastermind of a sweeping criminal enterprise. YSL's legal team and hip-hop experts are breaking this case down to the counts. The offense here is uh, Mr. Williams is only indicted on count 56 and count one. I would like Bond to be heard by your honorable court. If you look at the indictment, for example, Sergio Kitchens, who's, who's gonna, uh, who has only one count. It's a movement. Protect black art. And many of their fans and celebrity supporters are pointing to their community contributions over the years. You just gotta just find it in your heart to just try to give back and just help others, especially if you can. What I have seen is a young man bring himself, his, his, his family, and, and the people around him up from nothing. Why isn't this story being told? In December 2022, release came early for Gunna when he pled guilty to one charge and was released with time served. And in a statement, Gunna said he has not testified, cooperated, or agreed to be a witness in any of the other cases. On January 4th of this year, the trial officially got underway. But it has taken more twists and turns than anyone could have imagined. Drug deal in the courtroom. In January, video allegedly showed co-defendant Khalif Adams pass what was found to be a Percocet tablet to young thug during a court hearing. In April, co-defendant Rodalius Ryan was caught with marijuana sewn into his underwear when he showed up, and his screams during the search caused courtroom chaos. We've gotten a report of him smelling uh, the marijuana. And the very next day, a YSL defense attorney was arrested for bringing prescription drugs into the courthouse. In May, Young Thug was rushed to the hospital during court proceedings. This came after attorneys argued that jail conditions were making the rapper sick. I got a twerking and turk. She probably let both of us hit. In June, Young Thug released a new album from jail, Business is Business, featuring a host of high-profile names, including Drake, 21 Savage, and Travis Scott. And in perhaps one of the oddest developments, YSL Polo, whose real name is Cordarius Dorsey, was dismissed as a co-defendant due to his bizarre behavior in court. Now, almost a year after the YSL trial began, not a single juror has been seated. 
It's on pace to set a record as the most expensive criminal trial ever in Fulton County and the longest jury selection in Georgia history. The court finds that that would make him a significant risk to the community. For that reason, I'm going to continue to deny bond this time. The defendants, including Young Thug, remain behind bars, waiting for the legal process to play out. I'm much more cautious now than I've ever been in my life of paying attention to my surroundings. It's required for me to stay alive. And despite public criticism, delays, and alleged death threats, DA Fonnie Willis is resolute, determined to see the case through no matter what. And I'm not going to be intimidated from doing it and doing it in the correct fashion and holding people accountable. Coming up, there's lots of talk about artificial intelligence and how closely it can get to imitating humans. But are computers now being trained to be racist? That's next. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Artificial intelligence, or AI, whether you know it or not, it's already a part of your life, telling you what to watch on a streaming service or what to buy on social media. And it's becoming more prevalent in every aspect of our lives. But there's growing concern that artificial intelligence might have racial bias built into it. Revolt Black News partnered with Advanced Democracy, a nonprofit research organization, to investigate the Black Code, AI's race dilemma. I was optimized for efficiency. Artificial intelligence. It's not just for picking the perfect playlist. Hey, Max, what's going on? I'm X, and from this moment on, I'm going to be your own personal AI DJ on Spotify. Let's go. There's been a sudden rise in AI's ability to think and act like humans. ChatGPT can instantly and accurately write like us. And now AI can even sound like us. A song that uses artificial intelligence to copy the voices of Drake and The Weeknd has gone viral. The AI-generated song Heart on My Sleeve from anonymous TikTok user Ghostwriter977 racked up over 11 million views before the record companies took it down. But fake AI audio can also be much worse. There's a new AI scam that you need to be aware of, and it's absolutely terrifying. People are using AIs to pretend to kidnap you and then call your parents and demand money. Somebody can take my voice and admit to a crime. But AI's true power is how it's being integrated into things like job searches, finance, healthcare, and policing. One of the big concerns, racism. Yep, from computers. The more humans share with me, the more I learn. In the simplest terms, right, is as we think about how these systems work, if you're putting in biased data, you're getting biased results. If you're putting in imperfect data, you're likely getting imperfect results. Our exclusive new study shows just how that can work. Advanced Democracy Inc., or ADI, investigating bias in the AI art generators, Midjourney, Stable Diffusion, and DAL-E2. Using the programs to generate 20 images for different search terms like criminal and thug, and professions including doctor, CEO, nurse, and janitor. 
Some results do seem to suggest bias. Mid-Journey showed mostly images of black men for thug, 75%. Stable Diffusion showed mostly images of black men for criminal, 70%. For thug, 100% were black men, all 20 images provided by Stable Diffusion. When it comes to professions, all three generated images of mostly white people for every career. But Dolly, too, did show plenty of people of color for one job, janitor. All that data is, is human generated, right? And so again, if you're not careful, you end up training your models to simply replicate at scale the kinds of historical and, and legacy biases that, that we're all familiar with. This potential bias can have a huge impact on people's lives. The stakes are getting higher and higher in terms of what we're asking these machines to do, the tasks that we're asking them to perform in terms of outputs, in terms of recommendations, in terms of predictive analytics, in terms of supporting decisions that humans might make. And so that has led to what's increasingly been recognized as bias in AI, a lack of fairness in AI, a discriminatory AI. The company Workday, whose hiring algorithm is used by over 1,600 other companies, is being sued for allegedly discriminating against job applicants based on race. I am an invisible gatekeeper. I use data to make automated decisions about who gets hired, who gets fired, and how much you pay for insurance. And in 2019, New York's insurance regulator launched an investigation into United Health Group after a study showed its algorithm prioritized medical care for healthier white patients over sicker black patients. And then there's law enforcement. I make a show in front of your wife and kids because you are under arrest for your warrant, for your outstanding warrant. Can I see warrant. the warrant? We will show you the warrant in the car. In 2018, Detroit resident Robert Williams was arrested in front of his wife and daughter after facial recognition software incorrectly identified him as this man seen in surveillance footage stealing over $3,000 worth of watches. Right. Can I see what we're looking at? The cop gets a piece of paper and it says, There you go. Tell larceny on it. I'm like, bro, I didn't steal nothing. I'm like, y'all got the wrong person. Prosecutors have since dropped the case, but it's one of many examples of black men being misidentified by facial recognition software, which allows police to search more than 117 million faces. I'm asking him, like, how was my face even brought up? And that's when he told me, like, your face, they put you in a lineup. The face recognition said it was you. These systems, they feed in, they have training data that are labeled, and the training data does not depend on who commits a crime. It depends on who was arrested for committing a crime. And obviously that's going to be biased. AI first started in the 1950s when computer scientists at Dartmouth College developed the concept of thinking machines. Since then, these systems have been developed by almost exclusively white men in tech, engineering, and computer science who haven't given much thought to how AI might lead to discrimination. I think it's sort of emblematic of all of these tech companies that those kinds of questions were never on the table. Uh, they never thought about, you know, uh, you know, how do we design the system in a way that doesn't replicate bias against women in the hiring process, against you know, Latinx, against African-Americans, for example. 
Many argue the only way to fix it now is to make sure there's more diversity among the people continuing to develop and operate these systems. I think there's a recognition now that you simply need that greater diversity of people around the table. And we're probably not there completely, but I do think now there is at least a recognition that that kind of environment is the one that we'll need moving forward. This past spring, more than a thousand AI leaders and researchers signed an open letter warning about AI's, quote, profound risks to society and humanity. And now the federal government is also looking into biased and deceptive AI tools. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Welcome back. Now to an update to a story that we've been following. Like so many black women, Jenny Mitchell got her first relaxer as a child, chemically straightening her hair at just eight years old. She continued with regular touch-ups every few months for the next 20 years until she was diagnosed with uterine cancer at 28. I am the first voice of many voices to come. Now, Jenny is suing relaxer manufacturers, including L'Oreal and SoftSheen, claiming their products are full of cancer-causing chemicals. Stand up to these companies and say no more. In her class action lawsuit, Jenny claims her diagnosis was caused by regular and prolonged exposure to phthalates and other endocrine-disrupting chemicals found in L'Oreal products. This study establishes an association of uterine cancer with chemical straighteners, not necessarily that chemical straighteners cause the cancer. Research shows that black women who have used relaxers have a higher risk of breast and ovarian cancer, and a new study now says there's a direct association to uterine cancer. In terms of chemical straighteners, we believe that they have these chemicals called endocrine disruptors. And endocrine disruptors are different chemicals that can bind to different parts of your body. So we're thinking things like your breasts or in this case, your uterus and different tissues in your uterus, which makes you more likely to develop cancer that way. Women who use relaxers more than twice a year for five years have a 50% increased rate of uterine cancer and black women develop a more aggressive kind of uterine cancer. And for black women, increased cancer rates mean increased death because across all cancers, black people are diagnosed later and die more from the disease than white people do. Studies have shown that when hair straightening products containing formaldehyde, which are often marketed towards black women, are used with heat, 
The risk of certain cancers increases. I find this unacceptable. Following calls for a safety investigation from Congresswomen Ayanna Presley and Chantel Brown, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is stepping in, preparing to shake up the cosmetics industry by proposing a ban on the chemical hair straightening products that contain dangerous chemicals like formaldehyde, which is also used to preserve dead bodies. If finalized, this proposed rule will help to address this disparity by really setting a standard for safety and promoting safer alternatives, ensuring that everyone is protected from potentially harmful exposure. But cancer isn't the only medical issue linked to relaxers. According to the Black Women's Health Study, so are uterine fibroids. Fibroids unfortunately impact women of color, especially Black women, more than any other group. And we think those same endocrine disruptors that are in the chemicals, in chemical straighteners, promote the growth of fibroids. Nearly 80% of black women will eventually end up with these non-cancerous tumors in the uterus. Fibroids can grow to the size of a watermelon and cause a range of symptoms, including heavy bleeding, anemia, pain, and infertility. In 40% of cases, the only option offered is a hysterectomy. This surgery removes the uterus completely and makes it impossible for a woman to have children. Who in this audience has been judged by their hair? We spend a lot of money, a lot of time, and in some cases, our health. So I'm not gonna go to the gym and sweat it out. I'm not gonna do certain things. And all of these have an impact on our health and our overall well-being. Sisters, let's talk about hair. Black women and our hair have a deep-rooted history within our culture. They put us down, tell us we're ugly, make us feel ugly. Wonderful hair leads to wonderful opportunities. In the Netflix film Self Made, Octavia Spencer plays Madam C.J. Walker, the daughter of former slaves who became the first female self-made millionaire in the U.S. after modifying the pressing comb so it could be used on black hair. The black hair business is a $9 billion business. Today, black women spend approximately $1.7 billion a year on hair care products. That's nine times more than other groups. And by 2026, the global market for black hair care products is projected to be worth approximately $6.9 billion. Much of that spending is on relaxers. So there's really two types of relaxers. There's lie relaxers and there's no lie relaxers. No lie relaxers do not lead to as many side effects. Lie relaxers are the ones that we've been hearing a lot about. The, when you get a lie relaxer, you're essentially breaking down the bonds of your hair in order to straighten that curl. And so you're literally breaking down your hair in order to achieve that straight hair. Yes, this is the market we're talking about, the new Negro family. In the 50s and 60s is when hair relaxers really began to be widespread because there was a strong desire and need really to articulate that we could assimilate. The 70s and 80s, you see black people really wearing afros and, you know, putting products in their curls to maintain their curls. Yes, your natural expression of pride is beautifully expressed with Afro Sheen. The laws in the 90s and in the late 80s were really starting to criminalize black people. So it makes sense that there was this desire to want to be aesthetically pleasing again. Recently, relaxers became less popular as black women started embracing their natural curls. In 2020, 36% of black women in the United States said they preferred natural hair over chemically treated hair. 
and sales of relaxers in the black hair care industry dropped by 26.2% between 2010 and 2015. But according to this data, still more than half of the 21 million black women living in the U.S. continue to use relaxers. And this is how my hair looks after. It looks like a mop. But for many black women, hair care goes far beyond vanity. A recent study found that black women's hair was two and a half times more likely to be perceived as unprofessional. More than half of the black women surveyed felt like they had to wear their hair straight in a job interview to be successful. And one-fifth of the black women surveyed between the ages of 25 and 34 had been sent home from work because of their hair. Deanna got called down first by one of our teachers. Discriminatory experiences that involve black women and girls' hair can begin as young as three years old. Your child stinks. Don't put the coconut oil in her hair. The kids were teasing her. I think I was four years old when I got my hair relaxed. At that point in time, looking your best meant straight, relaxed hair. We are starting to create products for people to look like themselves. What a concept. In 2018, the U.S. Navy changed its grooming policy to include braided styles and locks, which followed a similar decision by the Army in 2017. And in 2019, California became the first state to ban discrimination on natural hairstyles with the Crown Act, leading the charge for 23 other states to follow. For women who use relaxers and still want to continue to use relaxers, even knowing what we know about their association with these various cancers and fibroids, I would tell them that you should make sure you're seeking medical care, that you're getting preventative checks. As for Jenny Mitchell, she says the long-term effects of using relaxers have left her with permanent consequences after she was forced to undergo a full hysterectomy. I'm 32 years old right now, and I'm still filling that void of not being able to bear my own child. We'll be right back. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cash Mooney from Oakland, California, and I can't wait to bring my game to the college level. Kennedy's got a special interview with Da Vinci. Hey, Kennedy. That's right, Mara. Da Vinci stopped by Revolt when he was here in Atlanta, and we sat down for a little talk. But this wasn't just the average Hollywood fanfare. He goes deep and gets really transparent about his struggles with mental health and the importance of mental health resources for black men. have so much on our shoulders that we don't even know where it's coming from. But when you could pinpoint where it's coming from, it allows you to navigate better when you know your triggers and you know where this is coming from. Rapper, actor, Hollywood powerhouse Da Vinci knows all too well about triggers and trauma. My instincts is the only thing that I took because that was the only thing I was able to rely on. Da Vinci speaks from experience. He's continuing to process the trauma of his childhood. The son of Haitian immigrants, Da Vinci's family struggled financially and was in a constant fight for survival. As a teenager, he lost a close cousin to gun violence and watched family members spiral into self-destruction. At that point, he knew something had to change. 
You told Forbes that you feel an obligation to speak out about mental health because you were, quote, supposed to die or be arrested a long time ago. Yeah. What do you think turned things around for you? I was sent to Florida with my father. And I started living with him and uh, his second family. And I was in a predominantly white school. And I was so scared of my father. More, I was more scared of my father than I was the law. One time I got arrested and in trouble. And I had to go to court and community service and all that stuff as a juvenile. I was more scared of my father's punishment than I was. I was I would rather go to jail mm -hmm. than deal with him. I just started to see a different life. I started reading a lot. Those kids started making fun of me about how I spoke English. Because, you know, we we're, we don't like being grammatically correct, but that's just our style. That's our colloquialism, you right, know what I'm saying? Right, But uh, they didn't understand that, so I was like, yo, I got to start reading so these white people could, like, you know, not insult my intelligence based on how I speak. Yeah. And then that right there just did something else. And I started, like, studying Tupac. Me and my brother, we loved Tupac. And when he was incarcerated, he was reading a lot. So I was like, you know what? Started reading, 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 reading. I heard this one thing, if you want to hide something from a black man, put it in a book. Mm -hmm. So I just kept reading, and then that right there just really, like, opened me up to a whole new world. His own evolution made him realize the impact that mental health access could have on people who come from environments like his and the one portrayed in his Stars series, Black Mafia Family. Pledge allegiance to the Black Mafia Family. To the Black Mafia Family. We talk about the stigma for black men still being so strong despite, you know, us having more of these conversations. What is your advice to black men who are maybe struggling or having difficulty being vulnerable? The more vulnerable you are is the more you open yourself up to get help. And as I, I think Socrates, he said, the admissions of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. And admitting your ignorance is a sign of vulnerability, and that's how you can start gaining wisdom. So we just hold everything in, and men ain't supposed to cry, men ain't supposed to do this, but you're actually hurting yourself. Statistically, black men are only half as likely to seek counseling for anxiety and depression as their white counterparts. And a 2018 study by the American Psychological Association found that 26% of black men between 18 to 44 experience daily feelings of anxiety or depression are less likely to use mental health services. These issues are compounded by the fact that only 4% of psychologists in the U.S. are black. When you have a society that, that kind of hardball you a lot, you kind of walk around with this edge on your shoulder and you don't even know why. And this fall, Da Vinci turned his hurt into healing, speaking to Black Gen Zers on his Let's Talk Mental Health tour. Why is that important to you? Being Black in this country, we come from a lot of years of oppression, so there's a lot of forces that work so hard to keep us in a box. So we need to alleviate that and pinpoint the areas where this is coming from. Because a lot of times when you don't deal with your problems, your problem is going to deal with you. I used to struggle trying to meet the basic needs of survival. This 27-year-old spoken word artist and rapper has had quite an evolution. I see a lot of eye candy, sour power strings. When I'm with you, I feel more like me than when I'm anywhere else. His stints on Grownish and the CW series All-American paved the way to a starring role in 50 Cent's hit series, Black Mafia Family. What are you majoring in? Photography. 
That makes a lot of sense. That in turn paved the way for his most recent collaboration with the queen herself, Mary J. Blige, for the Lifetime movies Real Love and Strength of a Woman, both produced by Mary J. How did it come about you being a part of telling her story in Real Love and Strength of a Woman? I read the story and I really gravitated towards the story and I was like, I want to do something different. Like, I'm already, you know, a gangster right now on TV and so I was like, this is kind of fire to just show that side. How's Mary as a boss lady? Like, what was it like working with her in this capacity? Mary, Mary is great, and Mary is humble, like, and Mary is so, like, real, like, mm -hmm. like, as massive, as, as a, the big icon that she is, is like, when I'm with Mary, is like, I chill. And like Mary, Da Vinci is a long way from where he started, going from street life to success in Hollywood, which was a huge wake-up call. You told Complex that you were not bred to play on this level. Yeah. Talk to me about what you meant by that. What I meant by that is like, so the first five years of a child's life, the minute you, you get out of your mother's womb to five years old, that's probably one of the most influential states. All I saw was poverty, misery, and corruption, right? So those years, I, I never saw structure. So you not seeing that when you go into this side of life and you got to deal with accountants, you got to deal with lawyers. Like I did, I wasn't created with that intention in mind. It's a psychological warfare when you wasn't born in this place and you just you develop the mindset to have you tap into this world. It's almost like you're living two lives in one. So it's like your whole your old life. It can't even really help you here for real. So it's like I'm like I'm relearning life. I feel like I'm in elementary school again. Do you feel like there's parts of your old life or your own mentality that have served you in this new season? Or did you feel like my you instincts. had to let go of everything no, from my, the past? No, my instincts. Mm -hmm. For sure, like my instincts, what, what allowed me to save my life to know like, yo, don't go to this party because so-and-so is dead. I beef for my mans right here. And then there was a shootout there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, thank God I dodged that one. My instincts is the only thing that I took because that was the only thing I was able to rely on. Mm -hmm. So when I started realizing how powerful it is, and this is why, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, life and death lies in the power of the tongue mm -hmm. and things like that. A lot of philosophical books talk about how powerful your, your, your mind is and what you speak out. Mm -hmm. And when I started learning that, I was like, yo, I'm going to change how I speak. Yeah. I'm going to speak life in the, whatever I'm doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, by the grace of God, it's been happening. There's more RBM Weekly on the other side of the break. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Before we go, there's one more story we want you to see. This is Stand Up For, presented by State Farm. My name is Tanya James. I'm a corporate responsibility manager with State Farm Insurance in Atlanta, Georgia. A corporate responsibility manager oversees our philanthropic portfolio in Atlanta, as well as our employee volunteerism and engagement. This work is very important to State Farm. We don't want to just be a logo. We want to live our logo. And since we do have a large hub with an employee presence in Atlanta, it's very important to us to give back to that community to make it safer, make it stronger. When I look at where I live, where I work, the type of environment that I would raise my child in, 
I'm able to do things as a corporate responsibility manager to, on my scale, make the world a little bit of a better place. And so I get up every morning and feel good about the work that I'm doing. It's important for State Farm and the Atlanta Hawks to work together to give back to the community because we want to pull our brands together to uplift the community in Atlanta. When State Farm gained naming rights to the arena, we wanted it to be more than just a name on the building. And our partnership with the Atlanta Hawks has allowed us to do just that. State Farm and the Atlanta Hawks are so grateful to be able to give back through the Million Meal Pack. Over the years, the Million Meal Pack has become somewhat of a homecoming for people who love to volunteer in Atlanta. It gives people an opportunity to come out and have fun, have a lot of energy on that day. Also to unite and do something together that they know will be meaningful and impactful to their community. Security is important for State Farm and the Atlanta Hawks to focus on because it is really the foundation to changing our community and impacting so many other issues. We found that when people are not hungry, it helps our society in various ways. It helps people be better educated. It sends them to work ready to contribute to our society. And so, unfortunately, food insecurity is very pervasive in our community across Georgia. According to the Atlanta Community Food Bank, one in nine Georgians and one in eight Georgian children grapples with food insecurity. There are people who are grappling with food insecurity that we may not even know about. Food insecurity just means that you don't know where your next meal is coming from. And with those statistics, I know that those are people who are working with me, people who go to school with my children, people who are walking among our community every day. And so, although we may not think we see it, food insecurity is all around us. One day, one community, one million meals. The Atlanta Hawks and State Farm are once again teaming up to pack one million meals this year. Our most recent meal pack event was on Saturday, September 9th at State Farm Arena, and it was an absolutely amazing event. It's hard to describe the energy around that event. NBA Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins was present, along with several current players of the Hawks organization. Council members came out and State Farm executives were present. Over 5,000 volunteers came out celebrities, influencers, people who really just want to make an impact. And the energy was high. It's not anything that you would think of as a traditional volunteer event. We like to call it a party with a purpose. And so there's music playing, there are kids coloring, there are people doing activities and line dances and chants and bringing out church groups, just all sorts of ways to give back and get involved. And when they leave, the party continues. They go out onto State Farm Drive, they have refreshments, drinks, and play games. Being in Atlanta on that day and giving back in that way is truly something special. There were over 1,020,000 meals packed that day in six shifts with people who just gave their time and wanted to give back. After all of the meals were packed, 
There was a collaboration with 12 organizations across Atlanta who all have interest in food insecurity. And those organizations took all of the food and are dispersing it out in the community. The food that's included in the meal pack consists of a shelf-stable jambalaya. It lasts for 18 months. So people who receive these meals can use them now. They can hold them for in the future when they may need them. They know that when they show up to one of those 12 food banks, there will be food there for them, that they can take it to eat today, and they can have it tomorrow as well. The Million Meal Pack really sparks a spirit of volunteerism within people in Atlanta. And if I could do anything or ask anything of people, I would say don't make that the first and last time that you give back. Continue to find ways to connect with the community. If you really enjoy packing food, there are so many food pantries that need the help. If you like interacting with kids, there's so many organizations that need that help. And so let this event be something that makes a meaningful difference in the community now, but also let it be something that spurs something within each of us to continue to give back in all of the ways that we can. it up for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, X, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everyone. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.